Awesome. Well, good morning. So nice to see everybody this morning. I am really excited about today, and here's why. I believe I have the word of the Lord for us this morning, and I cannot wait to share it with you today. The title of my message today is called Fill and Spill, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to ask you a question. Who here likes going to the movies? Oh, yeah. You are my friends. You are my people. (laughs) I love watching movies, but for me, it's a real treat to go and see a movie at the theater. And here is why. When I go to see a movie at the theater, I like to get there early, like really early. We have debates over this. They show at least 12 minutes of previews, if you didn't know that. 12 minutes preview. I like to get there early, get my popcorn, get my soda, sit down, pick the best seat in the house, and then wait. And for me, the best part of going to the movie theater is watching the trailers. (laughs) Anyone else here with me? I love it. There's something so great about that. And I think this is why I love it so much, because I'm sitting in that seat with my popcorn, with my soda, which I never drink except when I'm at the movie. I'm already feeling treated. And I know I'm about to enjoy the movie I've just bought the ticket for. So I'm sitting there getting ready to enjoy something. But when I watch the trailers, I also get a glimpse of that which is yet to come. I'm watching what I'm going to be watching in a few months, and it excites me. It builds anticipation. It's really funny. About a week ago, I was helping Chloe with her homework. I think I was more of a distraction than a help. That's what I'm trying to say there. (laughs) She had been spending like an hour trying to research something, and I said, here, let me try and see if I can find it for you. And I took the computer, and I began to try to find this information she was looking for. And I got sidetracked because I saw a preview for a movie, (laughs) and I had to just click on it. So I clicked on the movie, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, after about 15 seconds, I stopped it. I rewound, I'm like, Chloe, come here, you gotta look at this. Please do not send your kids to me to tutor them. They will probably fail every class. Anyway, she's a great student, not Chloe. So she pulls her seat over, I click the preview, and we start watching, and we're both like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this looks so good, we have to see this, we have to see this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Chloe, we are going, we are going this weekend, this looks so good. And then the end of the preview comes, and it says, coming March 2017. I'm like, ah, you're killing me. But it's kind of a happy moment because even though I have to wait six months to get it, I'm really excited. So right now, my March 2017 is looking really good. There's some good (laughs) movies coming out. I say all that because I think that's a good description of what God wants to do today amongst us. I believe the word that he's given me this morning is actually a prophetic word for us. What prophetic words are, are they're kind of like previews or trailers at the movie theater. It's God giving us a glimpse of what he's just about to do amongst us, what he's already at work on behind the scenes, and we just don't see it yet because it's happening in the unseen realm. And he does it so that when we hear it and see it, we can get excited and and anticipate what he's about to do. So this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a word that God spoke to me about 10 days ago, which I do believe is a prophetic word for the church here. And then I'm going to take just a few minutes to give a little instruction to go with the word. And here is why it's really important that when we hear the word of the Lord, we know what to do with it. We know how to apply it. It's like seeing a movie trailer and thinking, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I can't wait for that movie. And then we never buy a ticket and go see it. We want to be people who can actually hear and receive what the word of the Lord is. And the Bible says this. It says not to despise prophetic utterances. And I always grew up thinking that just meant like, oh, I don't believe in the prophetic or I don't think that's the word of the Lord. But I really think part of despising as a prophetic is more that we don't put ourselves in line 
with what the Lord is saying he's about to do. And I believe today God wants everyone to have a ticket to the movie because what he's doing in this season for us is really exciting, and I'm pretty convinced we're all going to be feeling like I feel about seeing Beauty and the Beast in 2017. <laughs> yep, that's true. Just side note, Jeremy and I know every word to every song of Beauty and the Beast, and he does a brilliant guest on impersonation. Just food for thought there. Anyway, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to start, we're going to look at the first miracle Jesus ever did. This is when he turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana, and it's uh, recorded in the book of John chapter 2. We're going to read this together, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. One note as we read this, you're going to notice the name for Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the Passion Translation is not listed as being Mary. It's listed as being Miriam. That's really significant, and I'm going to explain that later to us why, why it is and why it's significant. But for right now, when it says Miriam, it's talking about who we know of, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So David, can you bring that scripture up for us, please? Thank you, son. Okay, now on the third day, there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and the disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in the attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Miriam realized it, she came to him and asked, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Miriam then went to the service and told them, Whatever Jesus tells you to do, make sure that you do it. Now, there were six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rit rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. And when they had poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that had become wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed, although he didn't know the wine, where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. No comment on that. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. Okay, if you were here last week, you heard Dan Reynolds, our senior leader, make a reference to this verse. And Dan uh, made a reference to it talking about this season that we're moving to, into as a church. The week before Dan spoke, we had the pleasure of hearing from our good friend, Andrew Hughes. Can I please see a show of hands if you were here or have heard the podcast of Andrew Hughes? Okay, wow, I'm surprised. I can't urge you enough to go back and listen to that message. What Andrew did is he brought us the word of the Lord that morning. He talked about Life Church being in a season shift, that we are shifting into a new season. He talked specifically about the next four months, what God wants to do here among us, and then he gave us an instruction to respond to that, and this instruction was to make room for the Lord. Last week, Dan got up, and he was kind of carrying on from Andrew's message and talking about this next season. He referred to this verse, this passage, and he made this comment, you know, when the master of ceremonies tasted this wine that he didn't know had once been water, he said, wow, you saved the best for last. And Dan said this, he believes for us as a church, the best is yet ahead. 
We're going into a season where many of us are going to look as we're into that season and say, wow, God, you saved the best for last. I believe that 110% wholeheartedly. We are moving, already moving into a season where God has something really, really wonderful for us, and I want to continue on. So if nothing else, this is like part three of the trilogy for the last few weeks. So um, the key for us in this season is actually in this passage, in the miracle of the water becoming wine. And we're going to break this down and look at this in just a minute. But I want to say this, this miracle is really, really significant. It's significant anyway biblically because it's the first miracle Jesus did. Therefore, this is what he was saying to the world, this is who I am as the Messiah. It's also significant for us as a body, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But of all the miracles Jesus could have done, could have raised someone from the dead, he could have walked on water, he could have healed a blind man or a layman, but no, he chose to turn water into wine. This is really, really significant. You see, when they ran out of wine and his mom came to him and said, hey, can't you do something? We see in his response, he's a little torn up about it. Now, I've heard a lot of biblical teachers say, you know, a lot of other translations quote this verse as saying, woman, what does that have to do to me, do with me? And people teach that like Jesus is like exerting his lordship and being like, hey, you're not my mom. I'm actually your lord. And, you know, why do you want me to take my time? It's not that at all. When you look at the original words, the word woman is actually used in the Hebrew as a term of endearment. And what we see here in the Passion Translation is there's this tearing in him. He sees the need and he wants to help, but he also realizes the minute he does this, it is a game changer for him. You see, at this point in time, Mary knew he was the Messiah. Remember, she had the prophetic word before she was even pregnant. The angel appeared to her and spoke to her. He knew he was the Messiah, but nobody else yet did. And Jesus knows the minute he does his first miracle, he's introducing himself to the world as the Messiah. So this miracle is going to speak something about him, something about his purpose as our Messiah coming to the earth. And yet he goes ahead, he does it, and he turns the water into wine. And here are two things significant about that. It's interesting that the first miracle he chooses to do is a creative miracle. And what I mean by that is this, water doesn't turn into wine ever. I could have a jug of water in my home, and I could leave it there for three decades. It's never going to turn into wine. It's not like he just sped the process up. It's not like a healing where he restores something to what it should be. This was a complete creative miracle. He took nothing and turned it into something. The second reason it's significant is because what he did in turning water into wine, his first miracle could be described as this in a nutshell. It was a miracle that brought blessing to God's people. Do you remember in Genesis when God made Adam and Eve? It says he formed them. And then what was the first thing he did? He blessed them. We often read the creation account and we think God created us and commissioned us. Be fruitful and multiply. Go, fill the world, rule it, have dominion over everything. He did that, but that's not what he did first. The first thing he did when he created was he breathed his breath and he blessed us. God is a God who wants to do a creative miracle among us in this season, in this house, that's going to produce something on the inside of us that produces blessing in us and through us. 
Wine in the Bible symbolizes joy. It symbolizes abundance. It symbolizes prosperity. It symbolizes the very life and presence of God. Wine is intoxicating. Let me tell you something. The life of God is intoxicating, people. Jesus, I believe, is here to us in this season because he wants to do a creative miracle in our lives. He wants to do something in this season where he takes our nothings in our lives and creates something out of it, something that's full, something that causes us to prosper, something that causes us to have a joy beyond that which we've already experienced. Now, I want to tell you, I'm a pretty happy person. (laughs) I'm not saying I don't have challenges in my life, but I do have the joy in the Lord. But I am convinced that as I walk into the next season, God is going to release something in me that's going to take me to whole new levels of joy and abundance and prosperity. And it's not just for me, it's for every single person I come across. And I'm telling you, church, we're on the verge of this. Just like that movie trailer, it was like, ah, six months, but that's not really that far. We are moving into the season even now. It's something God's already begun begun in the unseen among us. So I want to talk about that today. And I want to say this. First, let me ask you this. In this parable, when they ran out of wine, do you remember why they ran out of wine? Was it because they planned poorly? Was it because they didn't have enough money? No, because they had that Winston Churchill anointing. It says because there were so many guests. This is just what I'm feeling in my heart for us today. I think there are some of us here who have been in a season where we feel a bit like this, like I'm running out of wine, where the demands have been greater than the supply in our life. That's what happened here. There was a demand that was greater than the supply. And it's really easy in those seasons when we feel like the demand has been greater to take a step back and say, I just don't have enough. I don't have anything left to give. But it's really interesting what God does here. God doesn't decrease the demand. He doesn't send any guests away. He just increases the supply. And I believe we are in a season where in our lives, God is not wanting to decrease the demands on us. In fact, I think in some ways they're going to increase for good. I believe we're coming into a season where God is going to bring the lost right up on our doorstep. I believe we're going to see healings and anointings and people set free like, where's Brandon? Is he out? Is he with you? Like what Brandon, there you are, Brandon. This dream of his friends, I think that's a prophetic picture of what God's about to do among us. We're going to see a lot more of that happening. People encountering Christ in power. So um, God wants to do, he wants to show up among us and do a creative miracle. He wants to turn our nothings into something that releases the blessing of God in our lives. And here's how he's going to do it. The key is in this parable. So when Jesus did this miracle, before he actually did the miracle, he gave two instructions. The first one was to get the stone water pots and fill them to the brim. And the second one was to take it and pour it out for the master of the ceremonies. Now this is really funny. I've been saved probably close to 20 years, every time I've ever read this passage, which has been a lot, I have always seen it like this in my mind. Does anyone read the Bible visually? I'm a really visual person. It's like like a movie. (laughs) This is what I've seen in my mind. I see they run out of wedding. Mary's concerned. I think these are probably relatives of her. It looks really bad if they can't provide for the guests. She comes to her son, who she knows the savior of the whole earth. She says, please, can you do something about us? So he says, and then she tells the server, she doesn't really give him a full choice. She's like, whatever he tells you, just do it. That's faith right there. So he says, get those water pots, fill them up. In my mind, I've always seen it like this. They fill those water pots up. The water turns to wine. They serve it, and the master of the ceremony says, man, this is the best. You've saved the best for last, right? 
Anyone else have ever had that picture in their mind? When I read this about 10 days ago, this is what the Lord actually said to me. He said this. He told them to fill the vessels and fill it to the brim. Then he said, draw out the water. Then he said, go and pour it out for the master of ceremonies. So it's like this. See those empty pots? Fill them up with water. They fill them with water. Now go get your pitcher. Draw out some water. They get a pitcher. They actually do this. This is historical. They get a picture. They draw it out. What is it? It's water. Now take it to the master of the ceremony. They take it to the master. Now pour it out in his cup for him to taste. I would seriously be like, this is crazy. <laughs> this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm about to pour water into the cup of the master of ceremonies. We are all going to be a laughing stock right here. And yet they do it. And the moment they pour it out, that's when the miracle happens. I believe the word of the Lord to us as a church in this season is this. God wants to do something miraculous, and it has to do with releasing a greater level of his anointing in our lives and in this body right here. But the key is it's going to come as we pour it out. That's what I believe the word of the Lord is. Now, I want to give a little bit of instruction that comes with this because it's really easy to feel like if you identified with what I said earlier about feeling like, hey, the demands on my life right now are greater than the supply. You might be sitting here, there might be some people who might feel like, listen, I have nothing left to give. I feel like I have given and given and given, and there just isn't a whole lot left to give. Well, I have good news for you. You're a perfect candidate for God's miracle-working power this morning. God doesn't want to decrease the demands in our life, but he does want to increase the supply of his anointing to us. And I feel like the key is as we pour out to others, but here's what we can do. When we're feeling like that, the natural response we have is to begin to step back from things in our lives. Am I right? Okay, just so, if you don't know me, I have four kids. They're amazing kids, but they have very busy lives. Sometimes I feel like I'm a taxi driver. <laughs> this one here, this one, I can't wait. David, I can't wait for you to get your license, son. It's going to be a good day in the Trentham household. They have busy lives. We love the body of Christ. We love to have people over. We care for one another. There's a lot going on. I have moments being transferred where I get up and I'm like, Lord, if you don't show up for me today, I can go through the motions, but I got nothing to give but you. And guess what? God shows up every single time. We all have days and times where the demands on our life are so much that we can feel like, but the key is sometimes what we want to do is step back and say, you know, I just need to step back a bit. I just need to take a little break here. I just need to slow down a bit in life. But I want to remind you, the miracle didn't happen from anybody stepping back. Jesus did not uninvite any of those guests. He wanted everyone to have the wine. The miracle happened because he increased the supply. And he said, let me give you something that's not only what you want, but it's so far superior to anything you've ever tasted before and it's going to bring prosperity and abundance. And that's what God wants to do for us. So I just want to give us a couple words of instruction. In this passage, it's really significant that there were six stone water pots. In the Bible, six represents the number of man. In the Hebrew cultures, numbers had significance. And six represented man because God made man on the sixth day. These six stone water pots represent us. We also know the Bible refers to us sometimes as being vessels of honor. We heard Jeremy preach a few weeks back about containers and contents. Do you remember that? Talking about wineskins. We're the wineskins. 
and the wine that's in us, the spirit of God, the life of God that's in us. Does anyone remember that message? So when Jesus says, take those six stone water pots, what God is actually saying is, this is a picture of us, our vessels. This is us. And the instruction he gives is not just to fill them, but fill them to the brim, the very brim. Now, it's really interesting. These stone water pots were actually used for washing rituals called purification. This was part of the old covenant, and it was law. This is a covenant where people had to please God by trying to cleanse themselves on the outside. They did animal sacrifices. They had Passovers. They had certain meals. They fasted at certain times, and they couldn't enter into a gathering of the believers together without this purification, and the word there that they use for washing is actually baptism. It was like an outward cleansing, an outward baptism. It really, what God is saying here to us is these six stone water pots, they represent our efforts to please God. Our efforts to make our lives something holy and pleasing to the Lord God. And what Jesus did here is he said, I'm going to take something that you've been trying in your own effort to do, which isn't producing any life for you, and I'm going to transform it, and I'm going to turn it into something on the inside of you that's a flow of my life and anointing, and it's going to bring joy and gladness and prosperity on your inside. The Bible says that springs of living water flow out of those of us who are called his disciples. So they were instructed to fill these water pots to the brim. And I feel like this is a season for us as a body where God wants us to begin filling ourselves to the brim. Now, I'm saying this to a group of people who I know, we know how to fill ourselves. The fact that you're here this morning, you want to fill yourselves. We're hearing the word of God even now. We're worshiping God. We know how to fill, but I think God is saying God wants us to fill to a greater level than we ever before. And I am here today because I believe God wants to give each of us permission this morning to be greedy for God. I'm going to say that again. God wants to give you permission to be greedy for God. God likes when people are greedy for him. I'm not talking about greedy for material things. I'm talking about being greedy for him. One time we had a prophetic ministry who came to this house and um, she's a recognized prophet from Bethel Ministries. And it was a really powerful meeting. And she, we were lined up for prayer. And she said, if you want prayer, just line up and I'm going to pray for you. So, of course, I got in line. I'm like, yep, I want to get filled up. So I stood in the line like this. And I stood like this. I kind of postured myself. Putting up your hands up, just so you know, if you're not familiar with this, it's nothing. It's just a way of kind of physically positioning ourselves to receive. It's like reminding, for me, it's I remind myself, I want something from you, God. So I'm standing like that, and sure enough, I was like the fourth person in the line. She starts praying for me, and she prays, and she prays, and she prays. She spends a long time praying for me. Then she moves on. She gets like three people down the row. She comes back. She prays for me again. She prays, she prays, she prays. Then she goes further down the line. She gets a little farther down. Then she comes back again. She prays, she prays, she prays. And then she did something which I found mildly embarrassing. But she got up and took the microphone after she prayed for everybody. And she said, listen, when I was praying, I kept coming back to that woman right there. And she said, the Lord kept sending me back to her because she was greedy for God. <laughs> And she said, there is something going on with this. And anyway, and I really got filled up in God that night. And it wasn't a temporary feeling. I felt like I received something from the Lord that changed me. 
And that's the kind of filling God wants us to do. He wants us to enter into this season saying to God, God, I am greedy for you and I am not leaving until I have more of you in my life. I want you. God wants to give you permission to be greedy for him. It's not selfish. We can tend to think that, well, I don't want to be self-preoccupied. It's not about me. It's true it's not about us, it's him, but it is about you in that you are the container that carries him to the world around you. It is very much about you and it is very much about me. But it's about Jesus being in us. And we don't want to be those stone water pots that are trying to give something of righteousness to people when it's just water. We need to have the intoxicating life and presence and power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's what God wants to do among us. And I believe this season we're going to see it. Mark my words. A year from now, we will turn and look back, and all of us will probably be our faces on the ground saying, my, what a glorious God you are. I never saw that coming, God. What God has for us is so much better than what we can imagine, and we're entering in it even now. But we need to be greedy before God, and we need to fill ourselves. So I want to give you a couple of practical ways we can do that, and then I want to just touch on pouring out, and then we're going to pray. Here are some ways we can fill ourselves. This is what the Lord spoke to me. I have to actually look at it because I I literally heard him say this. And I just wrote down exactly what he said. He said this to me. We cannot receive all that God has for us in a Sunday meeting. And we cannot receive all that God has for us apart from a Sunday morning meeting. That's what I heard as I was driving last week. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I want to say this. What we're doing right now, this is a way of filling ourselves. We're coming to worship God together. You know, when we worship, we come to give something to the Lord. That's part of the pouring out. But we always receive something back. And there is something really powerful that happens in corporate worship. We're going to talk about that later. But when we come and we hear the truth, the word taught, it does something in us. The word of God is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. And it goes to work on our behalf. So every Sunday when I come and I sit there and I hear that word, I walked out and I know I'm a changing work in process. Because the word's just been deposited in my heart. So meeting together is really important. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering together of the believers. But it needs to be more than Sunday morning. Now, we live in a culture where lives are very, very busy. People are working longer hours than they've ever worked before. You have kids, there's sports, there's all sorts of craziness. And our culture surrounds us with this mindset of being very independent. Do any of you have neighbors that live next to you that you have never seen the inside of your house, their house? Yeah. It's crazy in, in a sense. It's crazy. You live right next. Well, we just, we just moved into a house this summer. And when I moved in, I met a woman on the block. I found um, half the people on our street are people who they were the original owners of these homes. So they've been there for 30 plus years. I can't believe how many have said this this to me. The guy we bought the house from, he did a lot of work on the house, and they were all like, oh, I've always wanted to see what it was like in your house. And I want to say to them, are you kidding me? You've lived here 30 years, and you've never been? Come on in. (laughs) And I invite our neighbors in. But it's really important, this concept. We have to realize we must make sure that we are not being conformed to the culture around us, the American culture. We need to make sure we're being conformed to the kingdom culture. God wants us in and out of each other's lives all week long. We need each other. The truth I have to say to you this, I'm going to tell you a truth about me. The truth about me is this, I need you in my life. I can't be all God's created to me, and I can't receive everything God has for me unless I can receive from you. 
That's true of every one of us here. That's why God puts people together in a body together. The Bible talks about that when we're together, it's like iron sharpening iron. I want to say to this, there's no condemnation, but if you are someone who you come on a Sunday and that's it for you and getting together with other believers, I really want to encourage you, God has so much more for you. We need to be in and out of each other's homes. The Bible says practice hospitality. Now I have really good news for all of us here. You're going to hear in a few weeks some things that we're going to launch here in the church to help us do that. We've got some great things coming up on smaller group scales that are going to allow us to meet together in the week, to sharpen one another, to receive from God, build relationships, and do things together that we just don't have time to do on a Sunday morning. So there are going to be opportunities for us to do that, but I also want to encourage us, please invite each other over. We have the privilege this week, I'm going to embarrass you, Stephanie, of having a good friend of mine, Stephanie, from the church in St. Louis. Can everyone give applause for Stephanie? I love, my kids call her Miss Stuffs because she's got the stuff. <laughs> Stephanie is in the church in St. Louis, and we got to know her a few years, was it a couple years back now, when she came up here for a conference we were doing in the church here. And Tom Kyle called me and said, hey, I have this lovely lady. She needs a place to stay. Can she stay with you? I was like, absolutely. So she came in, and the Trentham's basically adopted Stephanie because she's wonderful, and we love her. But um, what I wanted to say about that is, you know, I could easily look at my life and say, hey, we got lots going on. We got this. Stephanie texted me this week and says, are you sure it's okay for me to come up this weekend? Because it seems like you have a, I was like, Stephanie, come on. And Stephanie came. We hung out all day yesterday. We had such a powerful time. And we were both so encouraged afterward because I was able to hear and see what God is doing in Stephanie's life, which is pretty amazing right now. And that's what God wants for us all the time. We mustn't ever let inconvenience stop us from sharpening one another, from getting to one another. So that's a way we fill. The other way we fill, and I'm not going to go into this because Feast preached on this a couple weeks ago. You can listen to the podcast, but we must be filling ourselves on the word and the spirit. I mean, that's a given as a believer, but our culture works against that all the time. We must be feeding ourselves on that. I want to just talk for a second about pouring out, and then we're going to pray for people. Um, here are different ways we can pour out to the Lord. Again, what we're doing this morning, this is all of us pouring out. We all had to leave our lives at home for a couple of hours this morning. It's a sacrifice to leave that and come and be together. And when we come together in corporate worship, we're pouring out to the Lord. That's what we did this morning. And I want to say this to you. It doesn't matter how you worship. I like to lift my hands up because I'm a touchy-feely person. If you get to know me, I'm going to hug you every time I see you. Sorry if you're not. <laughs> I'm just touchy feel. I like to hug people. And that's it. For me, when I express my love to God, it has to have some physical involvement. I can't just stand. It's like my kids. I have a hard time not kissing their little cheeks, especially when they're little and they're chubby. That's Serafina. Mel. Serafina kills me. Her little, oh, gosh. Anyway, I just want to kiss them and touch them. I promise I won't touch and kiss your kids, though. <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> Because I'm a touchy-feely. In worship, I like to lift my hands. You don't have to lift your hands. But what is important that we're lifting our hearts to the Lord. There is something miraculous, like the water turning to wine, that happens when we gather together, and together we lift our hearts to the Lord. We actually create something for God that we can't create for him on our own during the week. I have plenty of times where I sit and worship the God at my home, but it doesn't have the same anointing it has that when I do it with you. And that's because of the spirit of God inside of us and the gifts of God. And the way it works is we create something together for God that he feasts on. 
our worship literally is like a feast for him. So one way in this season we can pour out to see that creative miracle come is by gathering together and worshiping the Lord. Another way we can pour out is pouring out onto each other's. And I just want to say this. Um, I am sometimes, I, I have this love-hate relationship with Facebook. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm glad it offers real connection with people, but also sometimes I think it works against connection with people. It's a little bit of both. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes I get really sad when I see things that Christians are posting on Facebook. Because basically they're taking their hearts and saying, I'm really struggling with this and I'm feeling this. And it's good that they're being transparent and reaching out. But what makes me sad is this needs to be a person-to-person contact. God wants someone right now to lay hands on you and pray for you and encourage you. God wants to put his arms around you and hug you through a person. And I just want to say as a body, one way we can pour out is by meeting the needs of people around us in this body. The Bible says this, this is how the world knows that we belong to Jesus. It's not how we love the world. It's how we love each other. I believe this is a season we're all going to be experiencing a level of love of each other like we've never experienced before. And I believe as we're pouring out onto each other and caring for one another, that's when our water is going to get turned to wine. I have found so many times in my life that the things that I'm needing or longing for in my own heart come to me when I begin to pour that very thing out to someone else. Anyone else found that? When you're believing for a breakthrough in finance and you go and you give someone some money, I don't understand it, but suddenly my breakthrough comes. When we were believing for years for Jeremy's job to change, we prayed for so many people's jobs and saw them get these amazing, miraculous jobs. And we prayed and we prayed something, and then God made a change in his. That's how it is. It's as we pour out to each other, that's how the miraculous works in our lives. So again, the title of my message today is Spill and Fill. Because of the time, I want to close and I want to say this. This is a season of the miraculous around us. God is here this morning. I believe he wants to do something in us in this season, and I believe he wants to do something right here today. Can I have someone from the worship team come up on a guitar? I'm going to have a stand in a minute, and this is what we're going to do. The first thing I want to do is I want to pray right now for a fresh filling for every one of us. We all have water in us, the Holy Spirit. Our levels of fullness may be different depending on the various demands in our life, depending how much we fill up. And I want to say this, God wants us full to the brim, and here is why. When we are full, whatever we pour out and turns into the miraculous, we have to draw out of what's inside of us. Do you see what I'm saying? The miraculous happens when we draw out what's inside of us and pour it out. If we're not full, we don't have that much to draw out. If we don't have that much to draw out, we don't have that much to pour. If we don't have that much to pour, we don't see as much miracle-working anointing in our lives. So I believe today God wants every one of us to get full to the brim. I believe there's going to be a release of the Holy Spirit. Brandon Hayes, I'd like you to come up. I know Brandon Hayes had a couple of words of knowledge, things God wants to touch for specific people this morning. We're going to have an opportunity to pray for that as well before we dismiss. So if you would, would you stand with me, please? you to do me a favor put your hand on your heart and repeat after me Lord Jesus I give my vessel to you Holy Spirit come and fill me up not just a little to the very brim I decide today 
that I'm greedy for you, God. I'm not content with the level of anointing I feel inside of me. I want more of you, God. I want to be full to the brim. I want to pour out and I want to see your miracle working power in my life. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this word. I thank you that you've just given a taste of what you're already doing behind the scenes among us. I thank you that this is a season, God, of filling and spilling. I thank you that it's a season of us being continually filled. It's not a one-time filling, but that you want us fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller. I thank you, God, that there's a permission for us to be greedy for you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just break off of anyone here any reservation of being greedy before you. I release a tenacity in the spirit to pursue you, God, to hunger and thirst for you like the deer pants for water. I just release that by your spirit right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now. Father, I ask right now for every single person here a fresh filling of your spirit. And I decree that what we receive today, that as we go in this week and as we find ways to pour out on our spouses, on our children, on our co-workers, on each other throughout the week, I decree a miraculous transformation on the inside for every person here. I release a release of anointing. Father, I ask for a release of the life and fullness and prosperity of soul in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that everyone here would begin to experience that miracle-working wine, that we would become intoxicated to whole new levels with you. Father, whatever level of intoxication we're already at with you, I just pray that we'd go further into that, Father God. So much more in the name of Jesus.